0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: You're listening to the Hawkesby and Jacobs
2: Daily Podcast.
3: This is Paul Hawksby. This is Max Rushton. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, understandable it, it was quite European Super League heavy but we tried to come at it from a few different angles. We spoke to uh, Mark Bukowski, who was a PR expert. Who understandably thought the European Super League had not made a massively good job not of the launch? Down,
2: not gone down well, <laughs> <No>. has it?
3: <laughs> um, Courtney Sweetman Kirk joined us, a familiar voice on Talk Sports, Sheffield United Forward, to talk about the, um, the women's game and how that might be impacted by the ESL, because it did get a mention, of course, among their launch document. Christine Green from the Mariners Trust Group, Grimsby Town fan, told us about an initiative they're doing involving shirts. And uh, what else did we... Uh, Jamie O'Hara joined us. We talked about his old mate, Ryan Mason, the interim uh, gaffer at Spurs. And we had a chat, of course, as much as we could with the time left. And here it all is. (laughs)
2: Max. Uh, Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, I've had a couple of days to to take in all the news, you know, and and nobody likes change, and my first thought was this absolutely stinks, and after a couple of days, I can confirm it absolutely stinks. Yeah, it's it, it, um,
3: not one of those things that you think. Well, look, now I've had time to think about it. Mm. You know, I've had another twenty-four hours to contemplate all the extra information that's coming out. And um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I think football fans are all of the same mind. It doesn't get any better, no, does it? We haven't found anybody. I was I was on. Uh, I See if we can though, shall absolutely. we? I'm interested to know from you. Apparently, Jazz, the Wolves fan, is about the only person in Britain. <laughs> the ubiquitous Jazz is the only person in Britain who seems to think this is a great idea. Yeah. So I, even if it's him. But if you do think it's a good idea, do let us know. Call us. We'd, lo- we'd love to have a conversation about it. And you can tell us why. You may, you may change our minds. And indeed, those uh, of the TalkSport listeners. Oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four. You, of course, can email TalkSport.com. Yeah. Text at 81089 or tweet to TSHNJ. You know, that's
2: funny. I was asked by Good Morning Britain to really? go on. Mm. And after the England semi-final they rang me after England lost the semi-finals to Croatia and yeah. said, would I come on and argue that this world cup has been a disaster for England right yeah. and i said no because it <laughs> hasn't and they were like are you sure there's no way you could come on and say it's you know they really should have got you know i said no i can't and i said <laughs> i said you, mm, you won't... Mm, the person mm. you will get to do... And I yeah. won't say who ended up on TV... Because right. their voice is occasionally heard on this radio station. Yeah. The person who goes on to argue that England have had a bad World Cup... Mm. Bearing in mind they don't often get to semifinals... Is somebody who cares more about being on TV... Yeah. Than they do about actually telling the truth. And it's the, the <laughs> same reason. The person who comes on to say this Super League is a great idea just wants to be on the radio. We don't, don't know.
3: We'll, we'll suss them out very quickly, won't we, I would imagine, through, from their argument. and I'm sure our crack team of researchers will see through their lies. <laughs> something that struck me yeah. um, is I'm being asked to renew my season ticket at uh, Tottenham Great at the idea. moment. I've gone until June the 3rd, so I'm, not, I'm basically based on what's happened in the last 24 hours, I think I've got plenty of time to decide uh, what happens next. But... What am I buying? And that's true of any of the six clubs that are involved from the Premier League. Indeed, any of the clubs that have signed up to this around Europe. What are we being asked to buy? We don't know if they're going to be in the Premier League. Are we we buying Super League tickets? Are we buying Premier League tickets? I mean, at the moment, I'm thinking to myself, who's going to renew season tickets? Which is not great for those clubs who want some money in the bank. But what are we buying into? Well,
2: once again, they are probably relying on what these owners mm. believe you can do, which is rely mm. on the blind loyalty. Now, see, I'm a legacy fan. I'm no good to them. No. I'm, a, I'm I'm one
3: of the legacy. <laughs> Cast I'm, you aside. I mean, you've heard Florentina Perez last night. It's, it's, it's you know idiots like me sure. who rock up and, and pay uh, and. By season tickets, we're the, we're the fools.
2: We're not we're not the fans of the future. When are they shunting you to talk sport Legacy? about the good old. You that and would... Andy just talking about the good old days. Yeah, where whippersnappers like me will be like, this is, like, you know, football began on Sunday, the eighteenth of April, twenty twenty one. Did no football happened before. Like, do you know what I'm? I'm it's interesting. I'm surprised mm. that people yeah. are surprised that billionaires like money. I mean, yeah. who knew? <laughs> right? And and you don't need another voice on this radio. They do wanted to tell you that gre- you know it's all about greed. I'll tell you what, the phones have let up. Some I people know. think I, it's a good idea. I, that's extraordinary. Mm. Should, yeah. should we answer them? I don't know if we should. Should we answer <laughs> no, them and get them they, on? They have Go a then. right to
3: their opinion and they, they, they may a very cogent okay. argument. Well, why not? Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm, happy, to, I'm yeah. happy to do that.
2: But... The older I get, the, the, the more I think, convince am that no one really knows what they're doing in life. And there's so much bluff. So these, just because these people are billionaires, right, mm. it doesn't mean, yes, they're rich and they're successful in some way, or they just happen to have been born into yeah. a very rich family or whatever. But it doesn't mean they know what they're doing. It doesn't mean they should be in any way respected. And they don't appear to have realized what kind of backlash there would be. Mm. They don't. Like, by Perez yesterday, by the end, it was like partridge monkey tennis. Yeah. It was like, oh, shorter games. Oh, we'll have a division two. Oh, we'll, we'll just have a tournament and it will be totally different. Yeah. You're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how? <laughs> just because they're so because Just because just people are at the top of some industry they don't yeah. actually know anything. I don't know. I'm just the whole thing. The soap opera and the chaos is impossible to switch off from, I find. Yeah. And. But I, you know, the whole thing is—I mean, it's extra, the whole thing is extraordinary—and I feel for the players. I feel for the Liverpool players and Leon. Crockett yeah, today. so did I. I must say, you know, and hmm. it was funny. It was funny the Leeds putting those Leeds team, putting those T-shirts in their dressing room. That's funny. But I hmm. feel for them, and I feel massively for the fans. You know, we're going to ask about changing allegiance. I feel massively for the fans of those clubs who supported those clubs through whatever. Yeah, who are now, you know, the the Liverpool fans must look at that Everton statement and think I agree with. Every yeah. single thing on that evidence sure. statement, and, and that must hurt, yeah, right? Of course. And 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 you know, calling for we heard in the news, like, I can't remember who it was who was saying you know points deductions. Oh, I had Mascheri, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's not really fair on the fans and all these clubs. They didn't. Or the players. It. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it, Paul? It, well, I think it is. But don't worry. Over the next two and three core hours, we'll solve it completely. Oh, great great. I mean, I've cut out a bit of the Daily Star about um, uh, well, Tom put, Jones's Flatlands. I, I don't know if we'll get to it. I wanted to
3: bring you, what a band they were. I wanted to bring you news of um, Wayne Rooney's cigar room that okay. he's going to have in his new house. A cigar room. Maybe we'll try and squeeze oh, that room, in.
2: How many rooms do
3: you have before you go, and yeah. that'll be the cigar he, room? Wow. I'd like to think he, he can buy Tottenham's cheese room off of them as well. So anyway, we'll be covering that. But we are interested in hearing this afternoon about uh, the day you switched allegiances. You know, some fans of the... Top six may say this is not for me. I'm not going to call them the top six because they're clearly not. Let's call the big six TM. Um, so, ESL six. Yeah. So yeah. if you know, did you change allegiances and why? Have you been getting people telling us about that already? Yeah, yeah. I've
2: had quite a few actually. Just mm. in terms of. You know, it's sort of seen as the ultimate crime yeah. in sport, isn't it? But just I wondered if anyone has changed their allegiance and why, and perhaps there's an age where it's kind of more acceptable. Um, Ash says I supported Arsenal till I was ten. I started going to Charlton matches as they were local. For my mm. tenth birthday, my parents sent a card to both clubs. Arsenal sent back a printed postcard. Mm. Charlton sent back the card signed by the team and free tickets. Oh. Charlton for life. Jason says my dad grew up a Villa fan but lived in Peterborough. Sorry, Max, it's okay. You're allowed to live there. Yeah. Over the years he started believing he should support his local team rather than the Premier League one. Uh, Duncan, my dad was raised a Rangers fan, switched to Aberdeen when he went to university there, partly because of the sectarian nonsense, he says. Then got a Southampton season ticket when it moved down there. So, you know... It,
3: do you still look it, out for those other teams, though? You can't leave them behind completely, no, can you? It just, no. It'd be very difficult But to do what it. are you thinking? Are you... Well, I don't know. I mean, that's a huge step to take. Isn't it? I want to see how this thing plays itself out yeah, and, uh, and the way that, you know, hopefully the club pull back from this ridiculous position. But let's see what happens. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is a very timely uh, book. Um, uh, on the back sleeve, it says, At a time when football has never seemed so distant from its fans war winning author Michael Calvin looks to the future, links to the past and seeks to fall back in love with the game and well, that's been quite difficult in the last 48 hours uh, his book is uh, Whose Game Is It Anyway? Football Life Love and Loss Good afternoon Mike Afternoon I mean it's, you didn't write that sort of Sunday uh, morning but it, I mean it's, it's, it's interesting isn't it you do write about this sort of first incarnation of, of a, a European Super League that was discussed in the book don't you?
4: Yeah, I suppose it's bo- better to be born lucky than uh, talented, isn't it, in terms of timing, anyway. Um, yeah, I, I I wanted to uh, write the book because we've all undergone a real period, I think, of self-reflection. I think the pandemic has done that. It's obviously been private and you know, with varying degrees of intensity. I found that the death of my father-in-law th- through COVID um, really focused my thoughts because at that time this is well before the the events obviously of the last couple of days I'd fallen in out of love with what football increasingly was representing which was innately cynical hyper commercialized bloodless basically and uh it was when we were going through my father-in-law's belongings we saw some uh Fixture lists from 1932-33, a thumbnail photograph of a very young footballer, which I think it was him. But in the last couple of days of his life, we were talking to him in his care home uh, via FaceTime, and my wife asked him about his memories of football. And there was this sudden burst of clarity. Mm. He was 12 years old again, or 11 years old again, walking through the terrace streets to the match on a Saturday uh, with his dad, went into the sweet shop, had the anticipation of the game, and it didn't really matter that at that time Watford was a you know, pretty moribund third division South club. It mattered to him, and it was it was a link with his dad and his family, and that's what football is, is. Football is family. It's not what is being presented by you know, these monsters who are basically presenting the Premier League idea um and it is very interesting that i've uh, you know obviously i've been following events today and i i get a real sense today that there is now um a determination for a lot of people to be on the right side of history here yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: um you know as uh, you were saying um marcus rashford coming out is i feel hugely significant because He is someone who speaks to and for his generation, and he speaks beyond football. He's actually been over the last year, the most effective socially conscious politician that we've got. (laughs) So I think what he's come up with uh, is is indicative that players and managers are realized essentially that their owners, they're cowards. You know, we're used to their duplicity and their hypocrisy, but the cowardice with which they're operating now tells me that there is a real move afoot. I, yesterday I was convinced this would happen. Today I'm not so sure. Mm. I feel that the, there are you know there are very good people in the game who do good things in bad situations. And I and I write about them in the book, the people who care for young players people who are custodians of smaller clubs who understand their role, unlike the owners of a, the, the, the super league clubs, they understand the importance, the cultural social importance of the football club in its own community. And it doesn't matter whether they get 3000 people or 30,000 people or 130,000 people to watch them. The game is the same.
2: It's interesting, Mike, the, the book is, it's sort of part memoir and it's part, trying to find faith and hope within the sport, which I think is what we're all clinging to try and find in the, you know, over these two days and in the last few years as well, I guess. But it isn't just, oh, it was always better back in those days. You know, you talk about things happening at Leighton Orient with side men or you talk about Hashtag United and, and things that I would perhaps expect an experienced journalist to sort of look at more cynically. So, uh, you know, I give you credit for that, Mike. <laughs>
4: Well, it's, the side I'd I'll, I'll be honest. I'd, I'd never heard of them until I'd actually been to. Funny enough, hashtag United. They said you've got to go and see what these guys do. And you know, for the for the listeners, these are a group of seven guys, and uh, they've been together for I think six years. They've got a total YouTube uh, followership of a hundred and ten million people. Their videos have been seen by 26 billion people, billion people over the last five years. They've got a relationship with um, Lake Noria where they actually film all their videos on uh, on what we used to call Brisbane Road. Um, And that's because they're so successful, they can't go out into the park as they used to because they get mobbed. Now, these are the guys who have reached the audience that the Super League guys are looking at, but they've got much more skill and experience in that way. I, I spoke to a guy called um, Toby Brown, whose, whose name is Toby Jizzle, um, uh, which, you know, for someone of my uh, vintage, it was a bit of a mouthful to get around, but <laughs> it, it, was, it, it, was, it was really illuminating to see a young guy Understand what football meant to his audience, and his audience is global. And it's interesting with late Norwich. You talk to them there. Uh, Josh Stevens, who looks after their commercial side, came from the the music industry. Um, Nigel Travis, the chairman, fan for sixty one years. He worked in the co- he works in the corporate culture in North America. They understand it. If those type of guys were behind the Super League, I'd be more worried. But when you look at it, the people who are actually trying to put this together, I think they're amateurs. Yeah. You look at you look at the branding that could have been knocked up in five minutes by
3: <laughs> any. Computer. It was It, it was, was a bit pronto print with respect to them, wasn't it? It did Deluxe feel, like, it it did look feel like they'd gone down the place on the corner and, and knocked it up on a computer. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's why as I said, you know, there is every era.
4: Has its pluses and minuses, and that's why you know. To answer your your, your question originally, Max, I didn't want to write this, but I was terrified of writing this book from the perspective of oh, it was better in my day." Well, okay, you know, we had we had a lot of fun on the road and and still do, and probably journalistically, I got away with things that would be unthinkable today. You know, going going to a, my my sports editor, David Welsh, who was a fantastic sports editor of the Daily, uh, sorry, Daily Telegraph. And uh, saying, oh, I need to go off diary for you. I'm going to sail around the world. You know, they'd have laughed at me if I said that today. (laughs) He allowed me to do so. And that was a huge life experience, but it actually taught me a lot about reaching people. And I think the great thing about this controversy is perhaps this is the time that we will reset. Mm. And that was the hope that I carried at the end of... Of the book, you know, I, I made the point that football's about family, and it's ours. It's it's not it's not theirs. It's not these plutocrats. It's not theirs. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to everyone. Everyone who's listening to this show now. It belongs to you. It doesn't belong to them. Football is a highly individual, very personal thing, and if by reading the book, people are reacquainted with that. And perhaps reintroduce to people who are doing good things in bad situations, I'd be really happy.
3: Excellent. Yeah, it's some, it's some great, apart from that, there's some very good stories of your uh, tales on the road as a journalist. And um, it's very much Michael Calvin the Mustache is. Oh, uh, yeah. What so a mustache. I oh, can, the like 80s, word, can very oh, much no. enjoy <laughs> the the. the, the sleep. Eat your heart out, Tom Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> we wish you well with it, Mike. Thanks for joining Cheers, us.
1: The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can
1: expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
5: The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast.
3: Jamie O'Hara, how very own. Good afternoon, Jamie.
1: Afternoon, let's. How are we? Good. Good. How come you? you
2: didn't get it, Jamie? You
1: know, <laughs> because I've done too many radio shows with you, Matt. Yeah. Right. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> are, you, are you?
3: Look, it's 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 a bold appointment to say he's a Tottenham man. He loves the club. Um, what, what do you make of it? Even though it's an interim one.
1: Um, well, I mean, it's a strange one, in my opinion. You know, a week before a final to sack a manager that's you know the master of winning finals. Um, you know, look, the, the writing was, was, you know, on the wall. You could see in his prep for press conferences over the last couple of weeks, he looked like he'd zoned out. Even watching the game the other day when things weren't going his way, he just wasn't really getting involved in it. So, you know, you could see, you know, probably why they've come to the decision. Um, it's a different one. I thought they might have had someone lined up. I thought they might have had something, you know, to happen straight away and go into that final with, you know, sort of a, a real sort of new... Uh, era, um, but to give it to Ryan Mason, look, it's great for him. Incredible the opportunity. 29 years of age, and you know to say that you you you've managed Tottenham Hotspur is incredible for him. I just don't know if it's a little bit too big of a job. But you know, in the fact that you know it's a huge a huge end to the season yeah. we've got.
3: I, I think he's going to lift the mood. I've got to be honest, as a Spurs fan, I was quite pleased that, that they'd made the change. I just think the mood around. We'll find out tomorrow. We may play like drains, but I don't sense that. I think you'll see a few players come in that you probably forgotten existed. It was still on the books. And well, I think uh, that's
1: what's going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, Danny, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised to see Danny Rose back involved. It wouldn't surprise me if Bow and Deli Alley start. You know, we play a sort of uh, attacking style football. And, you mm. know, I know, Ryan. You know, we played that sort of way with Pochettino. I played with him myself. He was that sort of dynamic midfielder. So, you know, I think that's probably straight away we will go into that. But being, you know, it's all right setting up a team and going out and doing it and saying we're going to play this way. But, you know, to be a a top class manager like at Spurs, which is a huge job, It's more than just putting a team out there, you know?
2: Mm. I do think a lot of Spurs fans right now are really clamoring to try and find some reason to love their football club, right? They're in part of that six, aren't they? And, and just on a personal level, for what happened with Ryan Mason, what happened with his career, for the Spurs fans to think, I can, I can go into that game tomorrow night, I can go into that game on Sunday, and perhaps I'm furious with Daniel Levy, and I'm furious with my football club, but I have so much respect for him and, the, and, and what he ha- has been through mm. that you can almost yeah. make this like, I'm supporting him On Sunday, And I think that will make a difference to a lot of Spurs fans.
1: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, look, we're all behind him and we all want it to go well for him, of course. It's it's fantastic. Great opportunity for Ryan. But, you know, let's not get away from the fact that Spurs have been a shambles, right? Mm -hmm. Let's not get away from that fact that the whole European Super League, which has just been an absolute disaster PR-wise, then to sack the manager on, on the same day that that basically comes out. You know, two massive things happen again when... You know, the football club is trying to just be, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to get into that sort of bracket of being, you know, a Manchester United and a Manchester City. And we were there with Pochettino. We had that sort of solidarity with the squad, with the manager. It wasn't changing hands all the time. And now I'm just looking at it going, what what are we? What is our, our identity? Like, we're trying to be a big six club that we don't deserve to be. You know, we're sacking managers a week before a cup final. You know, that that that's, that for me isn't what Spurs are about. Um,
2: what would the uh, you know, given what we think we understand about how much you know how many players you know Jose had upset and and how he inverted commas lost the dressing room, would there have been like a massive buzz around amongst the squad and amongst the WhatsApp group when they hear that this manager that most of them didn't really like had gone? Would they be buzzing about this?
1: I mean. Some of them, yeah, I guess. I mean, you have to look at it and say, you know, people like, you know, Bow and Deli Alley and you know, players that have not hard- and hardly features, Danny Rose, who, you know, they will be probably rubbing their hands together going into the training ground the next day and you go, right, fresh start for me. I mean, that happens. I've been involved in it. A manager gets the sack, you've been cast aside and then the next day you come in and bang, you're in. You're training with the first team again, you're involved and yeah, you've got something to prove again. It's a fresh, it's a, it's a clean slate for everyone. But you can't get away from the fact that these players have underperformed. You know, Mourinho's given chances. They've had chances to play and they haven't performed. And as much as you'd say, all oh, right, now you can blame the manager for, for you know, the tactics and, and playing a sort of negative style football and it's defensive, which, yes, we did. At the end of the day, these players done this to Pochettino and now they've done it to Jose Mourinho. So where does it get to the point where it's on the players and not the manager.
3: Yeah, and indeed, uh, the board who are making these appointments. Um uh, Anyway, Jamie, good to talk to you. Catch you soon.
1: Thanks very much. All right, take care, lad. See you later.
3: I do like the idea that if Danny Rose is kind of the Jesse Lingard of Tottenham, is that he's absolute peak fitness. He's like a, <laughs> like a cord spring. And he goes on at left back tomorrow night and
2: looks like he did alongside Carl Walker. Um, I'm de- I'm absolutely delighted, yeah. and I'm you know i i was so i was getting so frustrated with the football and everything and i'm just i pre- i wanted to play all the all well, the attackers. He said.
3: He said we're going to be go to, on the front foot and aggressive, uh, like the Tottenham team. So, so we'll see. Southampton. I wonder if Southampton boys. You know, if I'm Ralph Hasenhut, I'm saying this lot think they're better than you. The players might not, but the chairman does. He thinks he, he thinks they're Super League and you're too Bob, if, if, whatever that is in German. So um, so go <laughs> out and stick points. it to him. As we saw that last night, we saw that with uh, Leeds, Leeds yeah. had a real. Sharpness about everybody
2: was supporting Leeds yesterday. Everybody's
3: going to try and stick it to those six teams, and it's not the fault of the players or the management. But anyway, that's not going to change things, is it? The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. So, you would have noticed uh, in the statement from uh, the uh, uh, European Super League clubs, uh, tucked away there. Um, after the start of the men's competition, a corresponding women's league will also be launched, helping to advance and develop the women's game. Well, we can all say that, can't we? It's much like the whole thing. It's quite light on detail. Um, the kind of reaction, really, from from people who know their women's football, it's always a bit vague and feels like a bit of an afterthought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's speak to a, a current player and, of course, familiar voice here on the Talk Sports, especially on Friday evenings, Sheffield United forward Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. Hi, Courtney.
5: Good afternoon.
3: Um, the first thing that comes to mind is how can, a lot of people have been asking about the teams that should be in a Super League, like Bayern and, and PSG. And it does strike you in women's football. How can you have a women's Super League without sort of Wolfsburg and Lyon, for example?
5: Yeah, exactly. I think you know Lyon; they've won it the last the last five times. So you know, if you're thinking there there is a team to be in there, it, w- it would be them. But I'm very much. Um, Still have the feeling that the, that the whole situation, both for the men's and women's side, I think quite frankly, it's vulgar, it's greedy and it's something that I don't want to see in the men's game and I definitely don't want to see it in the women's game either. And and Paul's right. It's such an, you know, the, the whole point of
2: pushing women's football, to make it not just an adjunct to men's football, to make it, you know, it is a sport within itself. Nothing seems like at the end of a meeting going, oh, blimey, we better just say something about the women's game in this, yeah. you know, and just tossing it in <laughs> it there. I mean, like it's that, so, yeah. it makes you so angry, that.
5: Exactly. That's exactly what it felt like to me. It was a, a tokenism of, well, we've not we've not put anything in there about the women, so we, we best stick something in there um, just so we go, don't get a bit of a backlash, although obviously the, the backlash already has been massive. So it's... It's yeah, it's it's a token afterthought for me and, and something that I don't think anyway will advance the women's game. I think we've we've got to look, you know, for, for if we're talking about the UK and, and England and, and closer to home with the WSL, the disparity in our league is still um, you know, terrible for want of a better phrase. We are getting there and we are going forward and I'm so pleased about the, the sky and the BBC deal. But very much, I think, it'll only widen the gulf. The, the disparity first in, in the Super League between the top and the bottom teams is huge. So we, we need to start addressing that. And then also, again, between the, the WSL and the Championship. So I, I hope that none of, none of these clubs... Um, in England, want to be involved. I, I obviously know it, it's up to the hierarchy, and that's what then where it gets interesting for me because you know you've seen so many managers and players come out on the men's side and in the last 24 hours saying they're opposed to it, but ultimately it's not that decision. And you know the clubs that, that hold the power and very much hold the money for the women's side, where does that leave them? Do they? You know if, if if they're in it, do they have to go in it or do they say, right, if you don't go in the super league, we're gonna pull your funding. So yeah. I think, you know, the, the overarching thing for me in the last in the last few hours is the fact that how the you know the players and the managers have been treated and, you know, less privy to the, the information and, and yeah, it, it's 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 just very strange and very sad.
2: Yeah. And just at a time where, you know, last week we're talking about the 10th anniversary and we're looking at the strides that women's football's making um, and the broadcast deal that you mentioned, this idea that, you know, it, it will normalise the sport for, for, for young boys and girls watching, that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a sport that can exist and function as of itself. And this, I don't know, it just, I just, I mean, amidst all the vulgarity, mm. this is such a, you know the fact this is such an afterthought. It really just it irks me massively. That's and, not a question, Courtney. It's just a, a rant, I guess, of many and, rants.
5: It's that just we've a all statement. Done. I agree. Yeah. And if you totally look at agree. if you
3: look at the sort of meritocracy angle on like this, I mean, a team like Liverpool, I mean, we're, we weren't even in the, the Women's Super League, were yeah. they? So the idea that they they would be at the, the well, top table yeah. of women's football is is sort of pretty ludicrous, really.
5: Yeah, this is the thing you've got, you know, Liverpool and and I've been a part of that and and been quite vocal about how at times the the club treated the women's team that that frankly, in my opinion, wasn't good enough. You've got Spurs who have have only just gone into their men's training ground because Alex Morgan, one of the biggest players in the world, for want of a better phrase, had a bit of a kickoff. Um, and, And on the note of Spurs, I think the audacity of Spurs who have never won a Premier League and haven't won a trophy for... The best part of twelve years to say, you know, they think they're part of the big six, and, and again, that's me going off on a tangent. And that's a different matter, but I think, yeah, when you look at the these clubs that the, the women's side that are attached to it, they don't they don't treat their women's team in in the right way at times. So then to put them into to the women's super league, and I think we've we've got a long way to go in England. And I think today the they've come out about the referees now in, in the WSL and the championship being attached to the PGMOL. Um, like I said, we've not even got full time referees in our league yet, so. Hmm. Yeah, to, to then shoot it up to to the sort of European Super League standards, I just think it will be a case of, again, the richer get richer and, and the rest get le- left behind. And again, it's only the Championship and the, and the Women's Super League that have been playing for the last few months. Everyone in the third tier and below, there's not been the, the funds or the the help for them to to continue playing. So we, we need to sort of get our own house in order first before we attach ourselves to to anything like the European Super
2: League. Yeah, very good point. As Susie Rat right in the Guardian saying Liverpool have built a new training ground with beach volleyball courts but no room for their women's <laughs> team. So, yeah. you know, they should if there is a Super League, they shouldn't be there, should they? Anyway. <laughs> Courtney, we believe it's Courtney,
3: good to talk to you. Thanks very much. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. The launch of the European Super League has been something of a PR disaster. <laughs> It's hard to believe, and maybe they'll use it in you. Let's ask our next guest. He is a PR expert, of course, of long standing. Uh, Mark B- Bukowski. Good afternoon, Mark.
6: Morning, chaps. Well, they, I wonder if they will even.
3: be... Afternoon yeah, afternoon, yeah. I mean, they, they, you do wonder whether they're in, in a PR school in years to come. they say, <laughs> let's look at one of the... Let's look at a really bad example of how to do things, considering the amount of cash and jeopardy involved and, and, and the knock-on effect. But you must have been looking on from a distance thinking, what a mess.
6: I mean, a, a absolute. I mean, a, a disaster. And I, I've commented on a few, um, whether it's... Um, over the years. But I don't think I've seen anything so incredibly um, damaging as this. Someone pointed out that many of the these uh, rich individuals who are running these franchises don't really care about bad publicity. Uh, maybe not for them, but they're completely hubristic. They're completely in a bubble because they don't care about fans. And if you don't understand the fans, if you just understand business and franchise and huge amounts of money coming in from uh, merchant banks and and, um, and investment types, that, that's where the problem lies. I mean, not only you've got the problem here, the communication problem here, you've got a communication problem in Italy, you've got a communication problem in Spain, um, because, again, you're ignoring the fans in, in those territories as well. And it was like a huge nuclear bomb drop where I think the news leaked and everybody devoured this story. And still, the Dirty Dozen these Marvel supervillains, have yet to say a word. So the vacuum is building and everybody's piling in. Every pundit and every news channel um, is having their own opinion on how appalling this is. I and mean, when you've got the pr- Prime Minister of this country <laughs> saying, we're going to create legislation for this. You know you've got a deep, deep problem
2: i mean there is a phrase that i can't really say at this time of day but you know it involves something you can't polish but you can roll in in glitter can you (laughs) can you take a bad idea that most people will hate and do it well you know could they have done this in a better way what would have been if you were put in in charge of this what would you have done apart from say don't don't do it
6: yeah of course you could do it in a better way but, but, but you've got to align your supporters you know that this is going to be a war. There's going to be a series of battles you have to win. Um, you've got to win the fans. You've got to win governments over. You've got to win the government ruling bodies over. So who is there to support it? So first of all, you run out a series of supporters in each territory. You align messages. You, you obviously do briefings with individuals, you know, people like Michael Richards, who is an ambassador of uh, Manchester City, is completely in the dark. Uh, managers, uh, players are exposed. So first of all, you've got to have a strong communication line on what this whole thing is about. And you need people to communicate it, you need to synchronise launch, and you need to get your facts straight. And if you are... People who don't like going in front of a camera, be it you know Roman Abramovich, you know, or or the uh, or the Glazers, who are not very popular <laughs> with their own fans. Um, Roman aside, uh, he's very really popular with me as a Chelsea man, but anyway, not so much now. Um, but the, the the bottom line is, you, you've got to have a communicator, and you don't want to vacuum. This is the worst possible result of this is a vacuum that you're not filling and already the Times reported an hour ago that there are one or two clubs now who are part of this uh, dirty dozen who are splitting apart so you've got the you've got innuendo you've got you know facts that are, are not straight but you need a strategic coordinated alliance of people who are supporting this pull them together and actually have them as your spokespeople if you are not willing um, to